Left on red, yes, I know this. I ain't tryna nest the wreck up no cribs. All I wanna see is this. You were the greatest, hope you know you are the shit. I can't eat donuts anymore without thinking of you. See my reflection in the mall. You're the homeless you too. I can't eat donuts anymore without thinking of you. Not any flavor in the world. It's a bad thing to lose. But I get so sick when you hear. It's a matter of rough time to get out of my system forever, my dear. A quick sugar high and a crush off is where I begin You know I'm up for the long ride You know I'm down for a good time Something about you, it don't sit right so no problem getting you off my mind I don't like insinuation that I'm needing something later Back to the podcast, everyone. Today I'm with a Seattle-based artist and producer who works closely with Lorelai, who's actually a she was one of the first guests on the podcast. Oh really? And uh, now I'm, I've actually heard about you through her like two years ago. I was like, who the fuck is? Okay, basically <laughs> my guest is Samurai Dell. Shout out Samurai Dell. But um, yeah, I was like, who the fuck is Samurai Dell? And but when I first started the podcast, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I know, I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it might have been an honest thing. Like, you feel like everybody knows each other, so, so it's a wild <laughs> guess. <laughs> let's uh, let's start from the very beginning with you, because like you've done a few interviews, but I feel like there's no like cohesive timeline for you. No, yeah, the so, ones I sent you that was from 2016, and that one, uh, the newest ones from earlier this year. But yeah, it is pretty crazy to like. Cause I went and kind of watched a little of the old one, and I was mm-hmm. just in this completely different place, and it's just interesting to see that. And um, now, we're, now you're here on the NAS pod. You're part the of the NAS community now. So let's, let's start from the <laughs> basics. Are, were you born and raised in Seattle? No, I'm from the Tri Cities. Oh, um, so I was born in Pasco and grew up in Kennewick. Um, so that's how I know like Mr. DC and uh, Dave Shanae now. Yeah. Dave Sinead. I still know him. I still know him as Crunk Batman. That was his first name. <laughs> and then uh, Justin Frick and Noby and all those guys. Karma. Yeah, Karma too. And then I moved to Spokane. So I lived in Spokane for high school. And that's where I really started to uh, make music. And mm. I, was, I started rapping um, back in my, my freshman year. Uh, I messed around with it, like with my friends, just fucking around um, back in the Tri-Cities. But Wait, how far away is the Tri Cities from Spokane? It's like two and a half hours, not far at all. And then it's it's just a little bit more east. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like it's like yeah, Tri Cities is like central Washington, and okay. there's nothing going on out there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I've ever been up there, honestly. To Spokane or I've been to Spokane, but not the Tri Cities. Yeah, basically, Tri Cities is just the whole town was built on making the bomb, Hanford. That they oh shit! In, I have been there yeah, actually on Hiroshima. And now it's pretty much the whole economy is based on cleaning it up, which it will never be cleaned up. But yeah, I mean, that's my hometown. I don't like to claim it too much because it's a shitty place. But um, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I, I've, I went there for a, um, <laughs> this is craziness. I was like a sophomore in high school and I was in wrestling. Mm-hmm. And um, basically we had like a wrestling tournament in the Tri-Cities and people in the Tri-Cities take 
in just Eastern Washington take fucking wrestling too too seriously. Because yeah. what else are they going to do in the yeah, fucking exactly. bum fuck nowhere? <laughs> but basically, to go to Hanford because it was like Hanford High School or some shit they were going to. Yeah. Like we literally needed to sign like release forms saying that if we get radioactivity on oh, us or something, really? that our that's, parents understand that that's what's, what's going to happen. That is wild. I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I it's wild. Like there's that, and then the Richland High School, their their mascot's still a mushroom cloud. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> poor taste. <laughs> heavily debated out there, but yeah. So uh, <laughs> you started rapping in high school in Spokane, mm-hmm. and uh, when did you start producing? Um, so to even go back farther, I started playing guitar when I was in sixth grade and, um, yeah, just fell in love with, you know, make like rock and like, I didn't listen to rap at all until I was like in eighth, seventh or eighth grade, no seventh grade. Do you know the first rap song you listened to was? I mean, I listened, like I knew about rap. It wasn't like, I was like, (laughs) Oh my God, what is this? But like, I didn't know, like my, my mom and dad, like, I think it's a little different about me. It's like, I know a lot of producers and other musicians that they're their family put them onto so much cool stuff. Mm. My mom just kind of listened to whatever. Right. Um, but then my uncle was super into music and he had a, like a wall of CDs. And I went over there one day and I was like, hey, I want to start listening to, to rap. And I didn't know where to start. And this is like, I wasn't allowed to use LimeWire because my, my dad was an IT guy and he knew how bad it was for your computer. Anyways, but yeah, he gave me three CDs. He gave me a Strata Compton. 2001 and a Young Jock CD, but I never listened to Young Jock one because I was so obsessed with 2001 and Straight Outta Compton and yeah, and then what really got me then in eighth grade I discovered Wu Tang. Ooh, yeah, and it's we got the tattoo right here. This is. <laughs> Have you seen the new show yet? I haven't seen the the show. I was been watching the documentary. I've been hearing it's the show's like good, but also mm-hmm. like the acting can be. So I don't. Know, I haven't really dived into it. Yeah. But to make an opinion myself but yeah and then i found wu-tang and started rapping after that and then i started producing i used to work with this guy in spokane his name was uh, corbin cooey but he like made i made a whole mixtape and peddled it at school for fucking ten dollars <laughs> and people like then i heard I, I was listening to uh all day trey's interview all day trey yeah and we've, so we had very similar things where people didn't people weren't doing that like just rapping and it wasn't taken seriously like it is now or everybody makes right. music um yeah so i got a lot of shit and i was very arrogant so that's the only reason i'm still doing it because people would like tell me i suck and blah blah blah, blah. but if i didn't have that fuck you i'm gonna keep doing this i wouldn't have kept going but yeah i mean it got to the point that um i just was getting tired of having somebody else do my beats i wanted to have more control right and started started making beats when my in 2010 my freshman or my sophomore year what, what software are you using i was yeah i was using um an mpd 32 this like it's like the drum machine mm-hmm. and i used that with reason five that i torrented <laughs> yeah <laughs> there we go yeah on the two the, back on the 2001 thing that was probably like one of the first albums i know of at least i was like all instrumental like when they, they released the album and then they had like a yeah. 2001 instrumental. The instrumental. That's, yeah, that was super dope. I wonder how many that. kids like were obsessed with the instrumental CD. Oh, I'm sure a lot. <laughs> I don't think my CD had the instrumentals. I didn't have, it's probably, I'm assuming it's a deluxe version. Yeah. But I just had just the straight one. But I literally listened to that back, front to back so many times. Hell yeah. My, my <laughs> first, my first experience with hip hop, I didn't realize it was hip hop until looking back. I guess it was hip hop. 
Will Smith's album, Born to Rain. I guess he was a fucking hip hop artist. I think people forget that. Yeah, I mean, that was one of, also one of my first introductions was Big Willie style. Oh, God. By my dad. Big Willie. And then I think the first, like, actual, like, explicit album I ever listened to, man, it was a YG's Crazy Life album. That was, like, the first album right. I ever bought. And I was, I was like, in sixth grade when that came out or something like that. Yeah, I, I had the Fast and Furious soundtrack at one point. <laughs> but I had to get the edited version. <laughs> Do they even still make... Is clean music still a thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can buy clean versions on, on iTunes still, I think. I wonder if that's fading out, though. Like, I know some rappers don't even put out clean versions of their albums. Yeah, there's no point. Yeah. I don't really see the point of it. I mean, unless you're doing... You have to do it for radio edits right. if you want to be played on the radio. But yeah, there's no point in really putting those out. I feel like we go through like waves. Like sex, like in the 1970s, was probably like on a PG movie, you know. <laughs> but then, and then there's R, and then like you weren't allowed to swear on TV. Yeah. But now you can just say whatever the fuck you want on TV. Yeah, most of so, the time. Yeah. <laughs> and now that we're kind of leaning leaning away from radio stations, I wonder if clean music's gonna start fading out because of that versus like if you're just making a song that doesn't swear you know yeah exactly yeah i don't know that's a good good question i have no idea it might because yeah i know radios i don't listen to the radio anymore really i i have my phone died today when i was driving i was like you know what like i guess it's you're supposedly it's not like a big thing but like i guess it's like good to just sit in silence sometimes you know yeah but i (laughs) that's a thing people should do right meditate that's but, how that's how you know you're having a bad day when you drive home with no music on. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I listen to music and I, I listen to so much though that like but some of the songs like I have like favorite songs I listen to over and over and then those songs become like a meditation where like a certain like like drop or like a certain lyric it will spark something that happened earlier in my day and I'll start thinking about that. So mm-hmm. like it is like it becomes like white noise for me. Yeah, yeah. But I was my phone died and like I was driving through the woods because I live in Snohomish in the woods. So mm-hmm. like, that's like a 15 minute period that I have to drive through the woods before I hit a fucking city. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. So I was just listening. There was like, I turned on the radio for a second. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. My phone's dead. I'll just let it charge for those 15 minutes in the woods. Turned on the radio. And I just forgot how terrible the radio is. It's yeah. like. Yeah. And you got to deal with commercials. And the commercials are probably the most horrendous part. The static's the most horrendous part. Yeah. Well, I was working on a food tr- uh, a food cart back in 2017 or 18. Ooh. Both years, actually. But they had. I would bring the speakers. like listen to my own music. But, yeah, they would make us. They had selected radio stations we had to use. And it was just. Especially that. What's that one? The, the old like the old school like hip hop and oh, R and B one three point seven yeah they play the same shit and I like yeah and that was one of the better selections we had but yeah I I can't do radio anymore yeah radio hosts don't really I don't even know what the point of being a radio host is anymore like that was something I really wanted to do yeah I mean it's just but, a dying thing because of streaming just like albums are dying too because of streaming just yeah it's killing a lot of things but I think the first time I realized that albums were kind of dying out was when drake made that playlist album but he just called it a playlist what was that was it more life i think so i don't and know he was like, or the a- scorpion oh that was craziness <laughs> i don't know i was um some of my friends think that was one of his better albums though i don't think so <laughs> yeah i don't i don't i don't really listen to drake. like i like his new album actually but i'm not i've never really it had some solid songs. i mean i feel like that's how every drake album is yeah other than you know 
take care and everything before take care i'm really into and i mean even thank me later was good and so far gone was dope yeah yeah i think i think where i kind of stopped caring as much was when um what's that one with the diamonds on it the diamonds and it's got future and oh what a time to be alive yeah I I felt I started not caring yeah. as much anymore. My taste started changing too at that point. Um, what what music do you listen to now? I listen to I still listen to a good amount of hip hop, but I'm kind of like an old head in that regard. Still, like I still, oh, I was in eighth grade listening to Wu Tang, like I was telling you. <laughs> so it's like for a long time I was not into anything new. Right. I thought it was shit. I was like, this isn't real hip hop. Blah 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 blah. I now everything and then a bad examples and like the little pump first came out. I was like, this is fucking stupid. But then I realized that music doesn't have to always be introspective and deep and meaningful. Like sometimes it can just be ignorant and fun. And that's where a lot of things changed for me. Um, But yeah, I I listen to like a lot of electronic music, Mm -hmm. like house and other electronic stuff. But uh, now I don't keep as keep up as much with like the new hip hop people, like all the little people and all these random names. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's still some really good shit out there. Griselda, just, yeah, I just see like, all the older people <laughs> love Griselda. They're like, that's a new hip because they're not Griselda is actually not even a new hip hop group. They just recently got the shine they deserved though. But mm. I love when people are like, yeah, I'm listening to Griselda. I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> I'll go check. Who who is that? I've heard of them. You don't know Griselda? No. You know, like West Side Gun or Benny the oh, Butcher okay. or yeah. Conway the Machine. Yeah. So I know West Side Gun and Benny the Butcher. But again, this is just music I don't listen to as oh, much anymore. Because you're just have... into EDM. I wouldn't say like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but it's, I don't listen to like Paradiso EDM. I mean. <laughs> Paradiso. But I do at the same time. Okay. That's, I'm trying a, to think of that's, like a, a... that's a festival in um, Washington for people yeah. who don't know. Um, EDM festival. <laughs> yeah. I'm not into like the, the fairy, like sugary coated pop dubstep right. shit that's not that's not me is dubstep uh, even even a thing anymore yeah it, it was like <laughs> yeah it's still alive and well <laughs> i really wish i could beatbox you know that'd be sick but, there's some pretty crazy ed like dubstep beatboxers on youtube out there <laughs> yeah it's on it's all over like instagram right now too yeah <laughs> but the i don't really know a lot of edm artists i guess like i know dylan Fran. do you know dylan francis yeah no. but is he like a basic guy uh i mean he has some good stuff. It's definitely not my. I mean, if he was like at a festival and he was playing, I'd go see it. But yeah. It's not like something I'm going to go see him at the showbox for or something like that. Or I know Bauer. Is it? Yeah, Bauer's tight. I mean, an yeah. RL Grime. I think everyone likes. Yeah, him. I used to really be into that, like RL Grime, like EDM trap kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, where it wasn't necessarily dubstep, but it was still heavy and fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, this past like few years, I've just gotten really into house music. And Do you know the artist, or you just know the yeah, sounds? Like, or uh, like, you know, like big people like John Summit, Deeper Purpose, uh, Armand Van Helden, Chris Lake. There's a lot, a lot of them. Yeah. So how do you, how does someone know if a new EDM song has come out? Because it's just it's just literally like noises, you know. <laughs> so like, how can you if how can you know if it's a an EDM song from 2021 or from 2000? You can tell because there was trend. There's trends and. And I mean, in all music, but right. you can tell the era and it, you can tell the sounds that are used and the style. And, um, but yeah, I mean, there's still some super crazy forward thinking stuff that comes out, which I was really trying to do at one point. Mm. That's kind of like where I'm weird with my music is 
I don't have one sound because I get really bored right. doing one sound and I do multiple styles well. Like I can do R and B, I can do like heavy electronic, I can do house, I can do like just straight boom bap hip hop and like stuff like with Lorelai. Like that was a lot of fun because I I didn't I was not into pop music at all. Right. Um, up until like two thousand I didn't even like electronic music up until two thousand fifteen. Did you have like some crazy awakening or just Yeah, I went to Sasquatch. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a, I took Molly at Sasquatch and then I, I found did God. take Molly at Sasquatch <laughs> <laughs> and saw subtract and I was just like because I just always looked at EDM artists as just being someone who presses play on which was so wrong. But right. like that's just how I saw it because I was such like this is real music, blah blah blah. Um, but then I saw Subtract and this guy has like, he had a drummer, someone playing piano, singing, had like 20 synths on stage. Like he was doing shit. Damn. And I was like, I realized like it can be so much more than I thought it was. And that's what I kind of went after. And what I still do is I just wanted to do like the live set, set stuff. And I also do DJ sets too. Oh, um, do you go to clubs? Yeah. Like I've played like at Q and I've uh, multiple times I did, uh, it just depends on like Q is a great place. Like, I'm wanting to do more DJ sets and I'm still trying to break into that. It's a very, especially here in Seattle. Can you be my DJ mentor? <laughs> if you want, man, I can show you, show you some, some things. Dude, I had a, I, working at 92.5, I had a DJ mentor and then the pandemic hit and then we just lost contact. Yeah, I can show you some stuff, man. It's, it's, it takes a while to get to figure out. And I mean, I sucked for a long time, like with anything. Yeah. But. Like DJs, I feel like, like all the DJ people that I know, I guess even the ones that are who like work at the station or whatever, they're like, yeah, I just learned on my own. But I'm like, how the fuck? Because how do you even know if you're doing something right when yeah. you're DJing on your own? It's just like you like, I get lost in liking the music versus. Mm-hmm. I mean, for when I first started, I didn't know what the fuck a transition was. I just thought if the songs blended together, I'd so, blended together, they'd be fine. Yeah. But then I realized after I played at Q for the first time, I opened for Toki Monster. And they told me, like, bro, your transitions are bad. Ew. And I didn't realize that. And after ever since then, because I used to just freestyle. Um, but I just don't DJ enough because that's the problem with being a producer. And if you want it, like, you either, there's two routes. You either do behind-the-scenes stuff where, you know, you're just making beats for people and getting placements and whatnot. And that's, you know, that's great. Yeah, I like performing. and be, Like, when I was a rapper, I liked being in front of people. So that was when I figured out that I could do that as a producer. That's what I really went after. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, this, I do live sets and those are fun too. And those are a lot more involved where I play only originals and I play like guitar and bring Ooh. people out and whatnot. And then I just, then I do the DJ sets too. Um, so I still love DJing for people. It's, it's a lot of fucking fun. It so. is so fun. <laughs> I feel like it's heartbreak. It's been heartbreaking for me to like realize one song that I love does not work with another song at all i'm like oh yeah. my god that's so <laughs> and that's the beauty that's the beautiful thing about house music is it's really easy right. to mix compared to hip-hop is a nightmare because because mm. like you you can figure it out but to freestyle is really tough because like there's the drums are always different whereas with house music it's just four to the floor yeah same beat so it's a lot easier to mix in but that being said it's we have to figure out how to make your transition spicy and then you have your there's like so many different transitions too and they're like yeah just you can get and it gets even crazier i mean like i'm not saying i'm like any that great because there's people that use four cdjs 
and like have acapella going here, a mix over here. And I, that's just that's a lot. Have you tried it before? It goes and turns into a fucking train wreck. Like it's, <laughs> I tried that shit. I don't I don't have access to four CDJs. That's fucking expensive. <laughs> oh shit! You can borrow my stuff. Do you, I, do you have CDJs? Yeah, I I actually um. I have been invested in so much stuff that I really love to do, but like I like I live in the woods, so no one can like, hey, let's yeah, do I mean, shit that's, together. That's, yeah, it's, you just gotta find people to to mix with. Like I just mix for mix for fun with some homies all the like a lot of the time. Bro, just... I'll bring my stuff over. I have like it's all like the, ever since starting the podcast, it's always been about like compatibility and like being able to like pick something up and go to the next place. So like everything I own that has to do with like anything music is able to be picked up. Like I have fucking like yeah briefcases with my shit in it and like they're heavy as fuck but yeah it's worth it it's, they're fun yeah. to have especially if you have a full setup like that so it's so dope so <laughs> so you started producing and you're rapping in high school and then what happened once you graduated high school um i graduated and my mom kicked me out Uh-oh. i mean i was 18 so i mean I get it was whatever. what's your ethnicity by the way I'm Mexican and Puerto Rican oh, I thought I thought Mexican and Puerto Rican want their family super close just... <laughs> well me and my mom butted heads a lot in high school mm-hmm. I mean you think about it I think about it now it's like you just have this 18 this kid that he mooches off you for 18 years and is ungrateful Damn. <laughs> our relationship's a lot better like way better now ever since I moved out and they but, want to rap like what? yeah Get the fuck out <laughs> exactly I mean she wanted me to like go to college and, and whatnot and I just it wasn't for me yeah um, but yeah no i had to move back to the tri-cities and i was trying to go to school there for a little bit because i wanted to do graphic design oh shit i'm into graphic design dude yeah. we're so much alike <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> um but yeah man like i wanted to do that and i just needed to get prereq stuff so i was there i did it for a quarter though and i hated it and really then, yeah i got fired from my job down there uh-uh, what um, were you doing i was uh, a line cook at a, like a fancy artisan pizza place oh. in, in kennewick but yeah, and then I lost my job, and then my dad lived here. My family situation is complicated because I lived with one dad down in the Tri Cities, and then I had another dad over here. Got it. Um, and then my mom was in Spokane. But anyways, uh, my dad. I was talking to my dad. I was like, I, I don't like. I want to move to Seattle because like I was always in Spokane because there's the hip hop scene's like not that great. It's gotten a right. little bit better. Um, still nothing compared to Seattle. It's got a lot of SoundCloud artists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some good people out there like Django and, you know, All Day Trey and some other folks, but uh, I always looked at Seattle, like, because there was, I was obsessed with, you know, Blue Scholars and Old Macklemore. And, <laughs> when he was Professor Macklemore? Uh, I don't know if they're not that far back, <laughs> but like Wings era and stuff like that. And uh, Brothers from BFA and Soul, especially. Ooh, he's yeah. about to perform uh, at Showbox. Yeah, yeah that's the cool thing about Soul. Is, like me and Soul work together now. And we have songs together and like we text each other. But like I was in high school, like mowing the lawn to his music. Damn. <laughs> and yeah, so I moved over here in 2014, um, and I was still rapping at the time, um, and mostly still producing. But yeah, I just started trying to network. I did a lot of networking back then. Like you'd uh, go to concerts or how'd you network? They're like, I remember Raz Simone had some video shoot and I went out to that and then I met up with like Campana, you know Campana? Yeah, he's been on the podcast. Yeah, so I met, I met, I knew Campana and Shelton Harris because um, I don't remember how I found Shelton, but I sent him some beats and he used one and then Campana, met Campana through that. Um, I lived with him at one point too. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I got started networking through that way um, when I first moved here. But 
yeah, I wouldn't say I went to shows and went just like mm-hmm. trying to like talk with people and whatnot. Um, I would try sometimes. Where do you like artists hang out? I don't know. <laughs> it's a good question. I like, yeah, that's what I love about going to shows and performing with homies is because like, yeah, we all got to kick it in the green, the green room and whatnot. But yeah, so I moved here to do that. Um, and then I got to the point with my rapping where if I came to myself, because my beats were still like just kept going up and up, but I felt like my rapping was stuck in a in a. And when did Certain, you start in? You start when producing. Was it mostly boom bap when you first started, or how did it? It was all. I was pretty much making like Ninth Wonder ripoffs for four years. Got it. And Jay Dilla ripoffs. <laughs> um, yeah, and then it just got to the point where if I came to myself for a beat, if I was like if I was a rapper and I came to me for a beat, yeah. I would say no to myself. Oh. So I had to come to grips. That was really hard to come to grips with because I like I well, I loved being in front of people and I that's what that's probably what I liked about it most was performing for people mm-hmm. so that well, that's what I'm saying when I found that I could do that as a producer Ooh. that changed everything for me so it's like okay I can still be in front of people and perform for people but not do shitty raps anymore <laughs> damn so did someone have to tell you or just just, just I just knew I, I knew I could hear it and I yeah, I just had to come to. I remember I was talking to Confounder one day. I was like, I think I just need to <laughs> just do beats. And he's like, Yeah, you know, it's, it's perfectly fine. Like, I think you're a really good producer. And so, yeah. Damn. And what year was that when you officially 2014? Okay. Yeah, at some point. Yeah. <laughs> so, 2014, and then you just completely switched to being a producer. Mm-hmm. And then what happened after that? Um, That's when I started, like, ma- I was making mixtapes and then i started making beat tapes okay and i used to rap under delphonic that was my that's your email yeah (laughs) that's my old that's my old rap name but i I loved how mac miller had larry fisherman as his producer name so i decided to split the two so i was rapping under delphonic and produced under samurai dell and the dell comes from delphonic Okay. Um, and I was just super into Samurai Jack at the time. Oh, yeah. I I'm love not Samurai saying I'm like I'm not, I, I haven't watched it in a really long time, but I remember <laughs> growing up, I was I loved it so much. But yeah, so that's where the name came from. But I binged that show during the pandemic. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I, have it, a, I have a hard time watching old shows. Really? Mm-hmm. It yeah. was a, it's a good one actually. It actually holds yeah. up pretty well, yeah, especially because it's animated. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I might have to give it another run. Um, but yeah, in 2000, then I was making beat tapes, and then 2000, I want to say 14 as well, I released my first album. Okay. There was like 20 songs on there, and my whole thing was uh, I wanted it to be half beats, so it was 10 beats and then 10 full songs mm. with vocalists on it, and that's kind of what started me making projects with, with vocalists. Um, and then I moved on to work with Mr. D- Dave Cheney. Um, after that, and we made this project EP called Mr. Samurai, Ooh. and that was after I went to Sasquatch, and, and that's, which is no longer a festival. Yeah, rest in peace. But got really into electronic music after that, and we made a whole. Uh, there's like some there's some really housey electronic electro songs on there, mm. um, but that was my first time like making a cohesive project and. Um, it's kind of okay. That doesn't sound bad. It's not as not similar, but it's kind of like when Kanye did graduation. That was such a huge shift from what he was doing. Right. It all sudden was like super electronic. And, so you're basically Kanye West. No. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the 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 arc is similar. Yeah. In that in that regard. Um, yeah. Then I put that out, and then that's when I just really started. 
I was going to school up until 2015 at Seattle Central for web design. Okay. Um, for no, for graphic design, and they turned me down three times. The graphic design department. Why? What'd you do? You're I just am not. I can't draw. That's um, the thing. I'm really good with like because I, I make a lot of my 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 album artwork, but I'm really good with typography. Okay. Like at least just selecting the right fonts, having good. So taste you're really fonts. into fonts. Huh? Yeah, and like formatting how I want them to look. I can't. I don't do so. Every time I do something, I'll, I will have somebody else do the actual artwork, and then I'll do uh, how I want the layout to be. Um, do but you yeah, love they fonts did, too? Yeah, but they shut me down. Three times, and then they were like, I asked on the second time, I was like, what am I doing wrong? And the guy's like, such an asshole. He's like, we don't give feedback. <laughs> and I was like, I'm try- I understand this is like, you need to get into this, but I'm trying to go to school to learn this. So I was like, yeah. what am I doing wrong? He just like snatches my paper out of my hand, and he's like, well, this is basic, blah, 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 blah. Uh. And then, so I tried again. They shut me down again, and I was like, fuck this. And then I... Like, I remember talking to my mom. I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I came here to do graphic design because it's my, she always had instilled in me to have a backup plan. Right. Um, she didn't really fully believe in the music stuff for a really long time up until like 2015. Um, but then she's like, well, maybe you just, just do music. Oh. And then I was like, I, I can't do that. I get like, I, I don't know. You told me to always have a plan B. And so I did web design for a little bit, but then I dropped out. Because uh, I don't know if you know him. His name's Dylan Fout. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a, he's he did a lot of it's it's also fuck catchphrase or catchphrase on Instagram. Okay. Um, but he does like a lot of video for he did a lot of Travis Thompson's first videos and whatnot. Um, but he was over living in at TJ's and I went over there at Campana. I went over there and he's like, "Why are you going to school?" I was like, "Oh, you know, to have a, a plan B." <laughs> and he said to me, "If you have a plan B, it means you don't fully believe in your plan A." Mm-hmm. And then that was just like a. <laughs> and I was on Molly again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I did, dropped out that day. Damn. And I haven't looked back. And yeah, that's when I decided just to go all in with music. And I grinded for making beats like literally every day. And then in 2016, I made my first album, like full length album. What's the name of that? Hodgepodge. Hodgepodge. Yeah. Um, and I probably a year and a half. I just still, when I first moved here, I didn't have a lot of friends and I don't, if, everyone goes through the same shit when they first move here. It takes so long to meet people yeah. and it's even harder when you don't go to school on top of that. And even Seattle Central is like a community, community college vibes are not great, <laughs> especially in the web design classes. Everybody was like 30 I'm, oh, and gosh. I'm 19. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so I didn't have a lot of friends, so I just made beats all the time and it was depressing, but I leveled up just cried and <laughs> <laughs> yeah making an album is a fucking struggle but I yeah i did that for two and a half years where i was just head down every single day um which is good and it's not good at the same time because it, it causes burnout you know yeah um yeah so it's like you got to find a way to balance your time because you still should go out and do stuff and live your life yeah that whole fucking grind mentality that People are not as uh, uh, talking about it as much, I feel like, because everyone's like, this grind mentality is stupid. Like, yeah, you should definitely do what you need to do and get your shit done, but you shouldn't completely dedicate your whole, every hour to it because it just yeah. it's not healthy for you and it wasn't healthy for me. Um, but it, that album came out and it opened a lot of doors for me. And that's when I really started because I remember I, I made a, a goal in 2006 17 
to um to play a show a month because that was when i first started like doing gigs and doing like night shift dj nights and and whatnot how'd you get into doing a dj gig like did you have to know the right person or how does that work? yeah i mean i see that's what the, with the opening the doors i just sent my mixtape or my album to uh to Q, the, the person who was running it and they liked it and they that was the first gig i played at Q. I opened for toki monster and i was hooked after that because it was go. like playing music for all these people and then the whole time like once i put the album out my whole plan was to build my live set and i've taught myself everything I had a, there's no like templates out there. there i think there is now mm-hmm. but at the time i had to like completely figure out how to make the template for my ableton live set and yeah i played my first show at the like my first headliner no actually my second headliner my first headliner was at the vera project hey. in 2016 and four people were there shout out the vera project <laughs> yeah and they were all my homies and then yeah fast forward to 2017 i was at the sunset tavern and it i think we were it was basically sold out and i remember they were sketching me out they emailed me hmm. they're like hey you've only sold 30 tickets we need you to and i was like i've been going around fucking town putting up fucking flyers and doing all this marketing and i was like 30 people i went into the night thinking that nobody was going to be there and then all of a sudden we just had uh like almost 200 people pull Damn. up and you know because you had grand, a name at a time or just marketed well or how did that it was walk-ups people were just like oh. they heard it from the street Damn. and they came in and yeah i mean yeah i it was me uh, who else who all was i think jamie blake but I mean, yeah, Paris Alexa came out and like sang out because she's on that album and she came out and sang and I had Miss DC come out. Pretty much everybody that was on the project came out and performed with me. That's Yeah, it was really cool. And then, yeah, after that, I just kept putting, I haven't had, that was, that was the most success I've had from a project, which, you know, it's great, but I've been trying, been chasing that mm-hmm. since then. Um, Maybe it's just because marketing's changed also. I don't, I mean, it was, I think it was also just, it was just the peak SoundCloud era. So I used to get hella plays on SoundCloud and like in doing that was like the era where people were doing hella remixes and, and whatnot. And you have, a few, you have a few remixes. Yeah. I love doing remixes. That's like my favorite shit ever is, is doing remixes. Um, I don't do them as much as I want. Uh, I also think it's kind of declined ever since SoundCloud has just died, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, people still get played. If you get played on, if you get a lot of plays on, on SoundCloud, that's really impressive at this point because <laughs> the, the, I mean, the listenership is just tanked since 2016 2017 um but yeah i think that was like the peak of that kind of sound but yeah and then finally i put out an album in 2020 yeah with lorelei yeah and she's on that one and that one was trimmed down just to eight songs my first album was 14 songs Mm. um but it was just way more cohesive like i keep growing as an artist and i'm still flexing the versatility i have because i i do believe that i'm there's not a lot of people that have that that are able to make different styles and do it well. That's right. what I really looked up to, Mr. Carmack. You know who that is? I do not. Yeah, he's a an EDM guy um, from Seattle or outside of Seattle. He's from Honolulu, but oh. he's like on part of Selection, that kind of that that crew. Um, peak SoundCloud era too, but yeah, he's a legend and just pioneered so much of the sound. But he's extremely versatile, mm. and I don't know. I I, I really respect people that want to do more than just one sound and i understand having a sound and i'm sure it's hurting me a little bit how do you um, describe your sound right now then it goes like i said it goes all over the place i mean i i have a, a song i just finished with bammer from tacoma and it's like a pop punk 
like pop punk's back also yeah like pop punk like hip-hop mashup basically um and i made that beat in november and i was like what the fuck am i gonna do with this (laughs) and i sat on it and i sent it to him and then we finished it so it's kind of cool music and you make an idea and like this is stupid and then damn months later it turns into something um yeah and i do a lot of house music that's that's my thing and with Lorelai, that was that project that's finally got some traction. That was the best, most traction I've had in a while. Um, hey, let's talk about Lorelai. How did you meet Lorelai? Because I, I started the podcast two years ago. Mm-hmm. And so two years ago, that's how I, she had already known you and she was bringing you up. So I'm guessing you met her longer than two years. Uh, Yeah, I think it was probably 2019 or maybe late 2018. Okay. Um. But yeah, I, I was just on Instagram and I saw Jake Crocker posted a video. He was like at some show and Lorelai was singing. Wow. And I was like, oh, so I looked, I went and looked her up and she had like, no, nobody, like not a lot of songs out yet. And I just liked her sound and I hit her up and I was like, hey, we should try working. And she came over and we tried to do something, but nothing came out of it. And <laughs> then we didn't, didn't try again for a long time. And then I just had this beat that I made for... Uh, Dave Cheney that he he didn't he wrote to it and then stopped writing to it so I was just sitting on this beat and I liked it so I sent it to her and then she sent me back forgive me hmm. which is off that project and that whole video and I was like wow this is like really fucking good let's finish this and then yeah the rest is history and like I just thought that song was so great and she's such a good songwriter and vocalist performer so I was like we should do a an EP and because I haven't done like a collaborative EP with somebody another artist since I did the one with Mr. DC Mr. Samurai yeah Mr. Samurai <laughs> um, so it was really fun to do that and I just felt like our sounds really meshed together well and she does a really good job and yeah it was like my first that was my first jump into pop like straight pop music right because um, again, I was not into pop music for a really long time. I mean, my first hodgepodge had some poppy elements to it, but it was still not pop, I would say. Right. Um, but yeah, I was just I just wanted to make something with with her that I could have my own sound because there's still like elements that are very hip hop and um, are true to myself, but it still has the 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 pop element to it. That donut slap. That was yeah yeah. That's the one that's doing the best and. I made that beat for Mr. DC and, and Soul, and then nothing came out of it, and so we just I just finished it with Lorelai. Was, is that the first song you worked on with Soul, or how many songs do you have with? We've met up a couple times and and tried doing stuff, but nothing's ever came to fruition. What happens when that? Like, what happened? You just you go to the studio and you guys just yeah, you just it. you just throw stuff at the wall and hope something sticks, and yeah, mm. it, just, it just takes a while sometimes. Because right. I remember we first linked up in two thousand. 17 or 18 I think 2018 um three years yeah and then finally I just well because we made that beat and he liked it a lot but uh Dave Cheney was just not having a hard time writing to it Hmm. and I sat on it for a long time because I was hoping he was going to use it because I've been wanting to work with David for again a lot for for a long time just Hmm. nothing's come out of it yet so I have to try again soon you got Um, it yeah but yeah so then she did a really good job with it and Sent it to Soul, and he threw his verse on there, and it's a rap. And then we got uh, Dave B. She really wanted to work Ooh, with Dave B. Yeah, and I've been wanting, yeah, because I made a beat for Dave B. in my in my senior year in 2013. Oh, sure. I found him. I just found a YouTube video of him 
So I don't remember how I stumbled upon it. Um, but I was like, wow, this guy's super dope. And I sent him this beat when I was a senior in high school. He sent it back the next day, and it was called uh, Galaxy Defenders. Um, but he performed it a lot. Like, he was supposed to be on this project he never put out, but never put it out but he put a video for it and i was like wow i want to keep working with you and i did a couple of remixes for him that are on soundcloud but nothing else actually us working together hasn't come to fruition until mm-hmm. again until now so that took how long is that it's like 14 15 16 17 seven years now that's crazy as you can see i'm not good with uh <laughs> with head <Numbers>. math <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he started popping off around the same time macklemore right like macklemore took him on tour right with- I th- I think so, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, I mean, 2013, he was, that was really when he started getting some recognition. I mean, that was when the eyes were just on Seattle, I feel like, yeah. for a while. I mean, you had Macklemore and Blue Scholars and BFA. Like, those were all, as I knew them all the way from Spokane, so yeah, that says crazy. something. I had a, one of my previous guests, Boathouse, he's out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. I think I actually learned about Dave B. Because I'm, I didn't really know there was any, a music scene until like 2018, 2019. <laughs> oh, in Seattle? <laughs> yeah. Because oh. I was just I was just doing my own thing being in school. Mm-hmm. So I'm still learning about a lot of artists. I've, I'm lucky enough that a lot of artists like to be on the podcast. So I'm learning a lot that way. But mm-hmm. I didn't know who Dave V was until I listened to Boathouse's project, um, Closed Sessions. I don't know if you know that. I remember... Or maybe it's the song which is called Boathouse, but they had it was like Soul and Dave B. No, Boathouse is from Chicago. Yeah. And Boathouse Dave B was just in Chicago for whatever reason and it was supposed to be like a record label project. And then Dave B just came to their studio one day and he happened to be on their record label project. I forget the song. It's called like is it get the whiskey? It might be a whiskey and push up song. I forget. Damn, I don't know. <laughs> it was it was a it was a dope song. That's awesome. But yeah, I don't. I, I'm still learning a lot about the artists here, but there's so many. So I'm happy you're able to be yeah, on here too. Well, I appreciate you bringing me out, man. But yeah, there's a lot of people here, and there's a lot of. I think Seattle's been going through a renaissance yeah. for the past few years. There's a lot of dope artists here, um, and I feel like people feel like they have to step out on each other here, or step over each other at least. Yeah. Because I feel like there's only so many opportunities, and it, and it is kind of true. Um, but you could say that about any fucking city in everywhere <laughs> yeah. with that kind of, with that kind of vibe. But we have the chance to change that. I feel like there's so many cool artists and genres here that they just need to start blending together more. Yeah, exactly. I, that's the one thing in Seattle. We don't have a, uh, I wouldn't say we have a sound. We did at one point, I think like at two, in 2014, 2012, like that, it was just very uppity and yeah. And you know what I'm talking about, like <laughs> Macklemore. That's yeah, what you're talking about. Like that kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, everybody did it. Like even like Shelton Harris, like was like very upbeat. And uh, I just feel like now there's so many different styles, which is awesome. I think there's yeah. crazy amounts of different. We even have our house scene is wasn't that popping here. Like like when you think about house, like houses was really popping in San Francisco, New York, Chicago, um, those places. But Seattle was never really had that but it's definitely yeah. been blowing up here just because i think house has just been getting bigger and bigger yeah there's uh, a lot of house shows that's probably like one of the main shows that's going on in seattle I feel yeah like. exactly 
So it's it's gained popularity, and everybody loves house music because it's fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can do drugs to it, or not. You can be sober and probably have fun too. Right? Yeah, partake in some extracurriculars, but yeah, no, it's fun, man. I listen. I love the music in that in that genre, and I love making it. It just it's just a good time. <laughs> do you see a new genre of sound coming out, or? I feel like there's always new sounds coming out. I also feel like there's a lot of resurgence. Pop punk. Yeah, like that. And house music was has kind of re- has come with a resurgence too. Um, but as far as like new styles, I can't really think of a thing at the top of my head. Um, but it is always really refreshing when like a new artist comes out and is like doing something unique. Like Baby Keem, his new album uh, yeah. is amazing. It was definitely interesting. I'm still trying to. I mean, yeah, I understand where he fits. Yeah, it's yeah, so exactly. different. It is. That's what I love. It's like that's why I, I feel like there's artists that come through with just a unique take on a sound, and definitely can't compare them to anyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very true. That's inter- That's so dope, though. That like you saw something in Lorelai, and just decided to work with her because like she's, I think she's like my age. So when you probably met her, she was probably like seventeen or something right yeah she might even have been 16 or 17 so you really saw something in her that's awesome yeah i just well i heard that vocal i mean at first i was like oh we try to make something together and it didn't work out but then yeah she sent that that back and i remember i was kind of fucked up <laughs> at the at the, at the lake and i put it up to my ear and i was like oh shit like, <laughs> i was like wow this is actually like really really good and yeah so did you guys take a did you guys continue to talk during that time or did you take a break until this newest project or um yeah, I mean, we still continue to talk. We did a, a music video together, um, and then she was supposed to perform, because it was 2019, so mm-hmm. she was supposed to perform at my album release, because I was supposed to be at Barboza mm-hmm. in April of last year, and that got canceled, obviously. Why? I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> um, I see these people wearing masks outside. What are, the, what are these masks know, for? What's going on? <laughs> but, yeah, um, and then we, you know, that... That all happened, and I think that it was about that time, April, May yeah. of last year, that I was like, we should do an EP together, and Damn. Yeah, we did it. How do you how do you feel about her living in LA now? She's, I think it's awesome. I I want to move out to LA. I don't know when I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking soon. I also fight myself too because it's like, I know I'm not gonna live there forever. If I do move there, I'll end up coming back here. But I just wanna, I don't want to look back one day and be like i wonder what what i could have happened if i just went there and see what happens i think a lot of artists feel that way yeah because i mean you know seattle's great man and obviously with the internet you can blow up wherever you're from but just because of how saturated everything is right now it's hard it's i mean music's hard (laughs) and i feel like everyone wants that dream of like just walking down the street and some random exec just sees you in la and is like yeah i used to have a fucking fantasy about that when i was working on a a food truck i'm like somebody's just gonna come rescue me one day from Mm -hmm. this goddamn place but that didn't happen (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah no i mean there's just a lot more opportunity in seattle and in la and there's so many dope creatives out there um but it's L.A. too, so it's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I went there for my podcast tour, and I was only there for a week, and I was like, that's that's enough for me. <laughs> I loved it. I like the city. But, like, honestly, it makes me think, like, just the water crisis they have down there. like Smog, air if pollution. If shit goes down, the last place I want to be in is, is in L.A. <laughs> but, I mean, like, you could say that about up here. It was a fucking earthquake. 
Now it's supposed to kill us all. Really? You, yeah. You don't know about that? Are you talking about the the San the, Andreas? The, no, the big one. There's. You haven't heard about this? Wait. Tell me about. Maybe I. Don't <laughs> it's know. like there's a fault line off the coast of that goes from like top. I don't know. It goes hella far. Right. Down like through Oregon, past Oregon on the coast, but um, like in the 1700s, there was a uh, magnitude nine earthquake that <laughs> dropped that dropped the like the ground six feet. That's how serious it was, and that's we're like supposedly years overdue for the next one, so it could happen at any time. Oh my god! And Seattle's not prepared for it. Um, it's supposed to level Portland and. A huge tsunami. Like the tsunami shouldn't hit us because we're so far inland. Bro, I was in, I was surfing in <laughs> Oregon um, in June and driving along the coast. There's like so many signs that says like tsunami warning zone. You you just entered it. You just left it. You just entered it. You just yeah. left. I'm like, holy fuck. Yeah, no, it's 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 not good. But you can't live in fear. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like oh, and you, you down yeah, L.A. You got the San Andreas Fault. So it's like. Unless you, if you don't want any problems with the earth, I guess, I don't really know where you can live because then you got the Midwest, you got tornadoes, oh my God. you got hurricanes, and then we have Mount Rainier, so. <laughs> Just move to the moon, I guess. <laughs> you can't get away from it. So. Like, what are the, what's the average magnitude of an earthquake? It's like a like three? Six. Six? Like, I mean, that, that will shake up things. Um, I mean, yeah, we have we have tiny ones all the time. We had here. one during the pandemic, I thought. Yeah, it was like a magnitude three or something. Like, I was asleep and I didn't feel Dude, it. Dude, I felt it. I woke, because it was like, it was only, there was one in Cathcart. That's only like 30 minutes away from my house or whatever. Yeah, yeah I was in Ballard and I didn't feel a shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was so tired. I woke up. I was like, oh shit, there's an earthquake. And then just went to back to sleep. Like, I should have been more scared, worried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I was asleep. Or I probably would have been bugging. I'd be like, is this it? Because that's what I'm saying. You, <laughs> didn't, you, didn't, you didn't know about the giant earthquake. So if I felt one, I'd be like, this is it. <laughs> oh, God. Maybe ignorance is a bliss at that yeah, point. Yeah, maybe I should have told you. You could have been. <laughs> I'm going to dream about that all night. <laughs> that's craziness. Yeah. So. Do you work with other artists, or is it just Lorelai? And- no, yeah, I work with a lot of different. I, that's what I I love to do is working with new artists and making new fresh songs with new people. Um, like recently, I've been I've worked with uh, Claudia or Claudine. Yeah, you don't even know this person's name. <laughs> yeah, I get it, I get it mixed up so many times, but uh, yeah, we have a really cool song. It's like it's like <laughs> very tell. it's like a very acoustic pop. Oh, like. So that's when that's this year I've been like I don't know I've, ever since I put out the project with when the whole pandemic happened I haven't been making a lot of music mm. I just have not had any inspiration at all. Dude, you need to tap more into this pop scene. Yeah, I'm trying to. Dude, let me help you out. Like, do you know like Anna Thompson yet? Yeah, I know Anna. Anna, Nikki Buell, you know Zanae. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, this pop scene is so dope. Yeah, exactly. And I'm trying to like do that as well as do just more hip hop stuff. But I mean, on my last album, I worked with Perry Porter, Ooh. Uh, my homie from Minneapolis. His name's Right Groove. I worked with Lorelai. Uh, who else was on that? Uh, Kristen Henry. She's from Navi, which is like this electronic group. She's really dope. Um, yeah, I just like, and I worked with Alex Cade. Do you know Alex Cade? I do not. He's, I'm not sure if he's still living here. I know he. He's from Detroit. He's been kind of going back and forth. But Fluency was talking about him, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, because they've worked together, I think, before, too. Okay. Um, so there's three Alexes. <laughs> You're an Alex as well. There's so too many Alexes here. But yeah, and then, like, I remember I put that album out and last year, and 
I had the whole my whole show fall through, and yeah. I was like, I had no way to promote it properly. It just kind of I thought it just went under the rug, and then I wake up on the day after Christmas, just hungover as hell, <laughs> and uh, wake up to the Seattle Times put it at number fifteen oh, on the top shit. Seattle albums, and I was like, I didn't even realize that people even listened to it because I was like, there was. Is that um, off your name or Lorelai's name? Or? Off my name. So you do have a name here in Seattle. Yeah. You, you've, you've got to tell the audience that. You're just making it seem like it's just one shipwreck after another and you're just re- like re- No. No, I mean, <laughs> I've built a name. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to say that I'm pot huge, but I definitely have a presence here and people know who I am, but that's taken seven years of living here to get there. Is it from making those connections or like do you submit? Like how do you- I mean, I'm very tenacious. I very like- People expect, this is one thing that people should understand is like, it feels great when somebody hits you up like, hey, you want to do this? Here's a cool opportunity. And it feels amazing because they went out of their way. They know who you are. Yeah. But I would say 90% of the cool opportunities I've had have been for me. You got to make reach, them. Reaching out. Like for shows, like once I learned my homie from the, hunt, uh, his name's Hunter Motto and he works with, he's a talent buyer at, at the Crocodile. Oh. But he's the first person who took interest in me. Uh, in 2015 and he started helping me kind of like in a faux managerial way um he never he always he was very upfront like i'm not gonna be your manager but i'll help you because uh, i just didn't know how to hit people up I was like how do i get shows right but yeah literally if you see what i would do and i haven't done it in a while just because they're not booking if touring acts aren't booking opening acts local acts really right. anymore um but yeah i would see somebody playing and then i would if I wanted to open for them or try to, I would email the booking people at said venue and I'd be like, hey, um, I'd love to have my name thrown in the hat for openers for this show and just leave it at that. And then people, I would either get a yes or a no. Hey. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, you shouldn't sit around and wait for, for opportunities. I mean, I literally got block party because I hit the guy up. That's dope. Yeah. So what festivals have you performed at in Seattle? Just Block Party? And- I've done Block Party and Upstream Fest. Okay. And then I've performed at Showbox, Numos, Crocodile, Q, pretty much everywhere. Hell yeah. Yeah. And that's all just for me hitting people up. <laughs> so what have you been doing outside of uh, making your project that you released? Like, are you going to any of these shows now? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to... Some shows. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely next. I think the next one I'm going to go to is I'm going to go see Dave Cheney. Oh, at, is he performing soon? Yeah, I think it's at Barboza. And I live on Capitol Hill, so okay. well, that's easy. Just walk over there. But yeah, I'm definitely trying to go to some more local shows. But um, I mean, recently I I went to Tame Impala and it's just. Oh, where was that at? That was at the Gorge. Oh, yeah. That's insane. Yeah, that shit was crazy. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck. I wish I went to that. Yeah, it was amazing. It was mind-blowing it was just like i had that ticket i bought that ticket in 2000 december of 2019 wow and then yeah it took two years but it was, it was worth the wait <laughs> damn did you go with friends or by yourself or? yeah i went with some homies with a group of people it was a lot of fun still yeah. I've, I've gone to i like being in groups but i also like doing stuff on my own sometimes if i if i if i like a specific artist and i know if i invite someone They'll, they might want to go because it's a concert, but they might not appreciate the artist or whatever it is. Or mm-hmm. someone can't come with me. I'll I'll go to a concert by myself. Or that's that's admirable. I can't do stuff by myself, really? like especially shows. I feel like I've done it. Like I've never done it before. But I remember one time I was waiting for my friend at Catronada, and I was by myself okay. for like a good thirty minutes, and I'm just sitting there. I'm like, what do I do with my hands? Like, do I? <laughs> 
<laughs> I overthink it, obviously, but I've met so many cool people at concerts. I'm like still friends with you. Just go by yourself and yeah. I mean, I, I, the one time I went to a concert by myself was uh, Schoolboy Q in 2014 oh, at Showbox, and just happened to run into people that I knew from Spokane somehow that I went to high school with. Damn. Yeah. So <laughs> I just happened to run into Schoolboy Q and we just oh, became. No. Best it was friends. crazy. That was like it was Schoolboy Isaiah Rashad and. I kid you, there was, like, the capacity at, at Showbox Market is, or not Showbox Market, uh, Showbox Soto is, like, 2,000. Yeah. And there was probably, like, 300 people there, 400 people. Really? Yeah, it was not packed. That's crazy. Yeah. And it was Schoolboy Keegan Isaiah Rashad. It kind of blew my mind, but. <laughs> I went to their, the champ, did you hear about the championship tour that happened? That was, like. I think so. 2018 or 2017, 2018, whatever. Mm -hmm. It was, like. It was all of TDE, so like any of the opening artists were just the opening artist was what was it, it was like J Rock opened. Oh wow! And then it was like <laughs> J Rock, then Schoolboy Q, then Absol, and then SZA, and then Kendrick, That's and then awesome. Sir was there too. It was Sir sang the national anthem or something like that. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't hear about that. <laughs> yeah, it was at the White River Amphitheater. Oh, okay. Now I think I remember. Yeah, now Dude, I remember. That was insane. <laughs> Do any have any Seattle artists performed there? Maybe like a Macklemore. Pro, yeah, I think Macklemore. I can't think of anybody that I know personally or that I can think of at the top of my head that's performed there. I'm, I'm sure Saul has been there before and mm. Blue Scholars. I'm assuming not. I don't know. That's a huge venue. Yeah. We're almost done with the Key Arena, too. Well, it's Climate Pledge Arena now. The Climate Pledge Arena. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah, you should see the, because I'm doing a monthly at the Crocodile. Our, our first one is on October 16th. Oh, what is that? So you're performing monthly there? Or how does We're, um, I got asked to to, uh, to curate like a, a live, like a, a monthly event DJ night there. Oh, shit. Yeah, uh, but it's in their new space. It's 30,000 square feet, has uh, a 650 cap room as their main room, which wow. is about 150 people capacity bigger than Numos, so yeah. bigger than Numos. And they have a 300 cap room, which we'll be in for our night. Damn. And then they have a 12 room hotel in there. They have a movie theater. They have a cocktail bar. It's pretty crazy. They leveled it. up. Yeah, yeah, it's it's massive. So I'm really excited to finally be up in there. I, I went there and visited it when they were still doing construction, probably like four or five months ago. Damn. So it'll be really cool to see what so it what, looks like now. What level artist do you have to be to go there now? Then it's probably. Because I feel like the crocodile is more for like up and coming or really small. Yeah, I mean, it was like I think it was like four hundred cap, four fifty yeah. at the old place. And I mean, I performed there multiple times. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure. I they're still bringing out the same people. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say the same people, but like you know, the regular touring people still come and perform there. Yeah, I'm seeing IDK there um, in November. Oh, really? He's coming with. Um, Rico Nasty and then Oh that's dope. I might have to go to that. <laughs> yeah. It's IDK is like one of my favorite artists. And he he's such in a weird position where like he's kinda of big but also kinda of niche at the same time. Yeah, I would say he's pretty niche too. He's definitely not like a household name. Which is weird because he's been working for so many years and he can, yeah. he can pull like his last project was dope. He had like T Pain, West Side mm -hmm. Gun. Yeah, no give it. He's definitely popping. But yeah, I mean, like, it's just weird like how level, level there's so many different levels to artists. Yeah, I'm surprised he's not playing like a Soto or Market or something like that. Yeah, it's but that's so cool that you're so so do you make most of your money through music right now or like how does <laughs> No. <laughs> like, I wish. I still have a day job fucking really? slang insurance at Allstate. <laughs> really? No. Yeah, do you have to wear like a I'm thinking of Jacob. No, State I really Farm. I wore this to work. 
That'd be funny if you were like a red and. Well, khakis. I was supposed to, like when I first started working there, I was like, do I need to like get like nice clothes? So I bought bun- a bunch of button ups and chinos because I'm not going to wear <laughs> slacks and dress shirts. But um, realized after a while, I was like, he didn't really care what I wore, and I was like nervous about my tattoos. But because it's just like I was, I've been working in food service for and retail my whole life. But, yeah. And then I was in sales, but yeah, it's a day job. It pays well enough i don't i hate how much time it takes that was probably the best part about getting i got laid off last year mm. and i had like four i think i had five months where i was just making music and i made as much music in that five months as i would have in a year with a job damn and yeah i kind of i think that also took my motivation away too because i had to start working again yeah i forgot what it was like to have to make time for it especially when you're already fucking drained from working nine to five talking yeah. to a bunch of people and yeah selling but insurance yeah it is what it is so i mean it, it the, what i'm grateful for is it gives me enough money that i can there's a lot of things i would, could not afford four or five years ago that i can buy now like i just bought like a new moog and another i bought a profit last year and i can buy all the plugins i need and because i've been getting because i and because me and uh lorelei's uh boyfriend mixed moses yeah moses mixed all of the project together and I've been really trying to hone in on my engineering skills because I was I used to go to Ruby Room and they would mix all my songs and that's what I did for four years. Elon's been on the podcast. Yeah, Elon's the man, dude. Him and him and Nima, um, they're responsible for my whole album. They mixed everything and recorded everything. Um, but yeah, I just got to the point where I was tired of not having control because like I, I'm very like nitpicky mm-hmm. about like things like certain like tiny little things that you won't even hear or the average listener won't hear but like i just felt like i was i needed to just do it on my own you gotta be that way right yeah and it also saves you a lot of money by not having to pay someone else so now i just pay people like matthew you just had on here matthew walk mastering yeah. and he's i just send my masters there but yeah it makes things a lot easier uh, just to mix things yourself so hell yeah so what are your goals for the next five years i just right now my biggest goals i just want to be able to live off music and do you know the steps for that just getting popped <laughs> no see you, you gotta <laughs> you're part of the nas community we'll figure this out <laughs> see that's the there's so many ways to make money off music without just thinking yeah. you need to be popping to do it yeah i mean obviously like show playing shows which is what a lot of people's income was i mean streaming doesn't pay shit but that's why i'm trying to get better at engineering and i've been working with people that come to me for mixing their songs and trying to build a clientele but that takes a long time yeah because that would be my ideal day job is just to engineer for people and record people and mix so that's what i want to do really bad that's what noby does yeah he's at the what is that in edmonds studio sage i think that's where Mm. he works okay is he with digital right yeah talking about yeah he he um he collaborated, but he's like his, he's doing his own thing with the engineering thing. But yeah, him and digital are definitely pretty tight. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, hopefully I can get to that point. Um, it's just hard with a day job, but I yeah. mean, Elon and Nima were doing that for when I was going there, they were working a day job and then coming out there to mix it. And so that's just kind of what you have to do. It just takes time yeah. to get to that point where you can live off it. But yeah, I mean, other than that, and then just trying to get more of a name for myself. I really want to get more involved in the house scene. It's been pretty tough to break into. Is, it a, is there like a, other gatekeepers in EDM music in Seattle? Yeah. yeah. it's. I don't want to talk down on anybody at, <laughs> by any means, but you know, it is what people have been DJing at these things for 
20 fucking years so they have like a oh you're talking about actual djs not like edm because there's a difference right yeah i mean a lot of and i mean a lot of the djs here they they produce too um but a lot of them are mostly djs and they perform a lot around here and yeah because that's where like i feel like i kind of understand that at the same time because like when i was working at the station talking to those djs like those djs literally their livelihood is djing so i feel like if you're if you've been DJing for 10 15 years or even more yeah you, you don't a, you don't want a new person to DJ yeah, you're exactly. like that's and just taking been, away my it's hours. been really hard to break into and it hasn't yeah. been I felt like it hasn't been super accepting and I feel like I do make good music in that realm and um, but yeah dude it's the connection thing that's what I'm saying like when I was when I had my DJ mentor he was like yeah I'll help you get into these shows like you actually need someone who's yeah, an actual DJ to network and I've yeah. tried and I, I'm still trying I'm not gonna stop trying yeah. but I also don't care because yeah. it's not my goal to be here and mm. being local I mean I want to perform and DJ and that's kind of like I want to get into that scene and if I had to kiss some ass to do it <laughs> then I guess it is what it is but it's definitely not my goal to be a local DJ yeah because I have bigger aspirations because that's it's for sure yeah because I'm a, like you know I wear it to to be successful as a producer and what I'm trying to do you get to wear a lot of hats where you know I engineer I record people I make beats I DJ I do live sets it's like a lot of shit <laughs> yeah one of my favorite guests I actually saw when I was in LA Nug Life hey, I don't know if Nug Life's oh. listening but <laughs> <laughs> if you are listening Nug Life <laughs> how Nug Life built up his client, like his his um, guest on his albums, which he's like cold called him, you know, like now he's working with like Dizzy Wright and Underachievers. Oh, wow. Had Planet Asia and Vel the Wonder on the same song. Like, wow. <laughs> and he he literally just cold, cold called all these people. And um, yeah, he's he's dope, Nug yeah. Life. Yeah, you guys. That's so, saying goes back to making your own opportunities. So, yeah. And you have, you literally have. Lorelei in LA like those are your songs you help make you know yeah exactly so she, people are gonna listen to those in LA when she can and that's where like a lot of her the whole mix EP has been most, mostly LA really yeah, oh like shit like the listeners in there so you have no idea who's listening in LA yeah that's exactly crazy. so I'm just like that's why I want to get down there and just try <laughs> what did she move for is she there for music solely yeah or? she's there for music oh, and her manager Austin Santiago lives down there too um, just dope so they yeah they've been making moves for sure a lot of exciting things coming man yeah and i mean when we put that ep out that was the first time i was able i didn't have to do everything my fucking self because austin the, their her manager was helping so yeah. that was the first time i actually had like a little team <sighs> to work with and it was really refreshing and it sucks that i have to go back to doing everything myself but hopefully one day a manager will hey, come along you but... got it. i'm telling you you're part of the nas community this that means something here community. in seattle <laughs> You gotta have a button for that. The NAS community. <laughs> NAS, NAS, NAS. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm excited you're on the podcast. It's been it's been too long, even though you had no idea. <laughs> I've known you for two years, man. <laughs> it's good to meet you, man. Yeah, yes, I appreciate sir. you bringing me out, dude. <laughs> of course. Well, man, uh, what is some advice that you have for up and coming artists, creators, influencers? Uh, yeah, just going back to just making your own opportunities. Don't wait around for someone to come knocking. You need to knock on the doors, and again, that's how I've gotten most of my my opportunities. It's just making contact, making an attempt, and the worst thing someone can say is no. So yeah, yeah, and beware of this fault line in in the yeah Watch Pacific Northwest. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. 
Uh, what is the easiest way for people to reach you? Um, you can literally my handle everywhere is at Samurai Dell. A lot of people struggle to spell Samurai, so I'll spell it out for you. S-A-M-U-R-A-I. D-E-L. And then I have a website, SamuraiDell.com as well. And uh, if you're in the Seattle area, definitely come out to a show if you see me. Hell yeah. This is the NAS Podcast with... Samurai Dell. And we did it. Doot, 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 doot. Doot, doot.